Welcome to episode 86 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 9. We are one spirit, one soul, one world, and together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories because stories matter, stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Hello from Bangalore, India. I am always so excited when I come to visit my family in Bangalore. Um, I miss them a lot when I'm in the U.S. I can spend time, but more time with them here. And most of all, I can spend time with my 83-year-old mother. I was here last in July of 2021. And since then, her dementia has worsened. She has lost the concept of time and place. But on the flip side, she is not as restless or as worried as she used to be about anything. She laughs more and has developed a sense of humor I have never known her to have. She's happy in her own world and is detaching from ours, and she's doing that at her own time. I'm at peace with it because she's at peace. But I seek prayers from my listeners for her comfort and well-being. Communal prayers can work magic. Today, over morning coffee with some friends, my friend Munira Jamal read a wonderful quote and I knew right away that I had to begin today's episode with this quote written by Najwa Zebian, and it reads, These mountains that you are carrying, you were only supposed to climb. Let me repeat, these mountains that you are carrying, you were only supposed to climb. I believe there is at least one person out there listening to this episode who needed to hear this message today. So whoever you are, this is your sign to stop carrying the burdens of your mountains and start climbing them. Our guest for today is someone who has climbed her own mountains. Hailing from Atlanta, she's an up-and-coming comedian who is a recent graduate. She obtained her bachelor's in mass communications with a concentration in radio, TV, and film. Someday, she plans on having her own radio or TV show. Everyone, let's welcome... Kendra Crump. Kendra, welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Normally, I ask my guests to introduce themselves, but I just heard the exciting news and I can't stop myself but say, congratulations, you released your book on New Year's Eve. Yes, yes. This is very exciting. First off, thank you so much for having me. We made it. I'm happy to be here. And this is a milestone because I told myself before I turn 30, I am going to have this book out. And I was procrastinating and I was scared and all of the emotions were following us. I'm going to do it. And I did it. You did it. You should be proud of yourself. Most definitely. So Kendra, tell us about yourself, please. Yes, born and raised in Atlanta, a recent graduate from Clark Atlanta University. I am transitioning to go to Georgia State, and I will be studying or getting my PhD in child psychology. And the reason being is because mental health is something that's very big within all of us. And I want to be able to help children because a lot of our trauma stems from childhood. And I want to be able to help children and help them figure out a better alternative and positive reinforcements. Uh, when they're dealing with, you know, their trauma. So that's who I am in a nutshell. Great. And let me have you talk about the book in a couple of minutes, because really that is exciting. So tell us about the book. 
The book is called Diamond in the Rough. The book is about a girl from Miami moved to Atlanta to get away from a crazy ex-boyfriend and she finds love, but the love that she finds is not as a dream come true. So it's going to be a lot of plot twists. It's going to be like, wow, okay, didn't see that coming. To be continued. It's it's going to be great. I am excited to read it. And for the listeners, the link to her book is going to be in the show notes. So, Kendra, tell us your story, please. My story is I am a... I'm a a suicide survivor in, in a way. I cannot tell you how many times I've contemplated ending my life from things that have stemmed since childhood. I would try to figure out multiple ways. And the reason I never did was because I was always told that if you commit suicide, then you will go automatically to hell. That's what we're taught in the church. I grew up in an evangelistic household. Don't know how true that is, but I did not want to find out. I came from the mental hospital. I, I, I actually enjoyed it there. To keep it real with you, if I could, I would not mind being back there because you're free from everything. Okay, you don't... so that sentence shocks me. I liked it there because you don't have access to your cell phone or anything. You just have a regular phone that you can call from to talk to your family. But you're around people who are just like you of all ages, shape, size, being one with everybody, non-judgmental. I ended up in the mental hospital because elementary, my parents are divorcing. So in my mind, I thought they were mad at me. And I thought, how could this happen? Now, my father was a breadwinner. And After they divorced, he took the money with them and we're struggling. And so with that being said, middle school, I'm dealing with sexual harassment from young boys. I didn't want to tell. The whole snitches get stitches thing is is very rampant out here. You do not tell. You don't snitch on nobody. I'm dealing with bullying from women of the African-American community talking about how my hair is so nappy. You're so ugly. Your lips are so big. That was the first time I thought about murder. I was really plotting to kill a lot of people in my school. And at this point, how old are you? 12 years old. And so you're very impressionable. And what other people are saying, you're believing. Most definitely, because well, prior to that, I've never had anybody call my hair nappy. I've never had anyone talk, my lips were so big. I never had anybody say you're ugly. Like in elementary school, people were, everybody was like my best friend. You, we had sleepovers every week. I loved it. and. So I just remember having to deal with that type of animosity. I didn't even know that I could think deaf type thoughts. Get to high school. I'm now dealing with, okay, I want everyone to still be my friend. I want to be a popular girl. Because in my mind, I equated everyone being your friend meant you had no drama. Nobody hates you. None of that. Mm-hmm. But but we, as you get older, you realize there's jealousy amongst friendships. So you have to be mindful of that. And now we're dealing with, I, I want guys to like me. A lot of the girls were very sexually active. I wasn't. And no guy was paying attention to me. So I felt like, what's the point of living if I can't have what that I wanted? I was a, I'm pretty much a hopeless romantic. We get to college. College is better. I'm at a community college. Guys are paying attention to me. But they have no ambition, no morals, no drive. I don't understand how we're all 18 years old and nobody has a license except me. Nobody has a car. I understand we all live with our parents, but help me help you. 
So back in like 2017, I remember having to get checked into the mental hospital because that day was a Monday. I had to get checked into the mental hospital because I was extremely depressed because I'm like, I am in my early 20s. I'm like 21 years old at this time. And I'm like, I don't understand how is it that I have my life, I have goals and no guy that wants me. My main issue was boy craziness. Right. I, I always just felt like I needed to have a boyfriend because everyone around me was in some type of relationship. Now, mm. I could have been in a relationship with a guy, but I would have been single the next day because, again, like I said, the guys had nothing to offer. And the older men and married men were trying to get with me. And I'm like, sir, you're married. Sir, you're 70 years old. What can I do with you? So I remember being checked into the house because I really, like I said, there's no point in me being on this earth. But what is the straw that broke the camel's back and put you in the mental hospital? Was it an incident that happened that made you say to yourself, okay, I, I have to get myself checked in or I'm going to do something really bad? It was that morning I had a good friend of mine at that time who just sent me a text saying, how are you doing? And I spilled it all out. Mm. I just woke up and I just felt empty. I felt like my soul left and I just sent him uh, a thesis statement explaining how I felt. And then he had contacted a doctor who spoke with me on the phone about recovery and what they can do and the hospital they can get me in today. And I said, okay. And I remember my mother drove me and she said that life is not that bad for you to have to do this. Mom, wrong. <laughs> timing is everything. Mm -hmm. Timing is everything, mom. You don't say this to a person who's who's about to, you know, you don't say this. Yeah. So that's what drove me. Okay, so here's the question. Mm -hmm. What should she have said instead that would make you feel better? She should have been like, I'm very proud of you for taking the step and getting the help that you need. Mm. That would have been, or nothing at all. If you have, if you don't know what to say, just don't say nothing at all. But if she has something to say, I'm very proud of you for checking yourself in instead of taking your life. So you're saying it's better to keep quiet than say something that is discouraging and negative. Most definitely. I honestly believe that. It, it really would help because I literally just thought of death upon her. I wanted to mm. strangle her as we were driving in the car and would have killed us both. Mm. That was really how I was thinking. Okay. So tell us more get to the mental hospital and it's not like what they show on television. I think it's levels of, of hospitals with the straight jackets and they have the long syringe and everything else like that. It's levels to that. I felt like, cause I felt peace there. The food was good. Look, I ate three times a day. I don't even eat three times a day in my real life. We played, we had individual game night, individual like family time. About seven o'clock that night, we would have a circle around in a group of other patients. We would talk amongst one another and everybody would share their stories of what happened. I remember maybe the second or third night, there was one girl who had just screamed out in the middle of the night because I think she was schizophrenic. But other than that, it was just this very surreal, beautiful moment that I was like, this is great. But I will tell you what made me really say, okay, I need to go and try to fight what's fighting me, the demoness within me. Mm -hmm. There was a woman who was 80 years old 
And she has been in and out of the mental hospital since she was a child. And I said to myself, I don't want to be like that. Not, mm-hmm. not that, again, disclaimer, I don't want nobody thinking that. I'm thinking she's a horrible person. But the fact that she's 80 years old and she has been in and out of the mental hospital for the last 70 years of her life. I, I hear you. You're basically saying that this is all that she's seen throughout her life and you wanted more. Yes, I'm, I'm glad because sometimes you have to have the other person to kind of clean that up for you so people won't think you're a horrible individual. And I pictured myself. I saw myself and I'm like, that will be me if I don't get my get myself together and get necessary help and do things. Because there was one time prior to that, my father had transitioned back in 2017. So around that same time period. And I remember saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to go and smoke weed because I was sad about my father's passing, even though me and my father didn't have the best relationship while he was here on earth. But even with doing illicit drugs at that time, I still didn't feel good. I still felt like crap. I was just very much sad. And that's when I realized that I tried smoking my problems away. And I learned you cannot smoke or drink your problems away. It's still going to be there. So what can you do to try to make yourself better? That I want to take as life lesson number one. You cannot drink and smoke your problems away. That's very important that you said that. Most definitely. It it is because once you come back into sobriety, the problems are still there. You will end up becoming a zombie and you will be relying on that. I tried to before I dabbled into the drug paraphernalia, I would sleep. I would just sit here and try to sleep all day to sleep my problems off. Because I, fun fact about myself, I have a dream every time I close my eyes. It's a new dream. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to be in a permanent dreamland. But I had to learn, no, find something else that can help you deal with your problems a lot better than what you're trying to do now. Because once you wake up, The bills are still going to be there. You're still going to have to go to work. You're still going to have to face this. What are you going to do? And that's what I had to learn. That's all within life lesson number one. I love that. And so then you checked yourself out of the mental hospital? I was there for three days. Uh, They told me that I didn't need to stay there much longer. They diagnosed me with severe depression and they referred me to a therapist. Mm -hmm. The problem was my insurance company, this is what I have an issue about America. America does not care about you like they should. The government especially does not. You have to pay to go and seek therapy. And I had no money. Mm -hmm. I lost my job. My mom is taking care of me. There's only so much my mom could do. Right. And it can only sustain so much. So I had to pay for a consultation. I never came back. Because if I was to see them twice a week, that was going to be $100 a week. That you didn't didn't have, yes. I don't have that much. And so I didn't go. I had a few people tell me to do. They said, this is what you do to keep your mood up. Number one, you need to do nice things for yourself. You know, buy something nice for yourself to keep your spirits up. I'm like, okay. So I tried that. It was working at first. At first, somebody else told me, nature, do walk around, do a nice nature trail, go get some vitamin D, natural sunlight. That helps. Get in a support group, find stuff to make you laugh, stuff to make you happy. Write journal and everything. That's what I was told. And so I would do that. These were from just regular everyday people who told me what to do. 
I don't know. And I, honestly, I'm going to keep it real with you. I feel like it works only to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. You can do all that. Mm-hmm. But again, you do not want, especially when it comes to buying yourself something nice or going to the spa, that adds up. If you're doing this on a week by week base, that adds up. And now you have to deal with financial issues. I think journaling is great. Writing your problems down. Like I said, if you cannot afford therapy, journaling is good. Getting into a support group is good as well, where you guys can work with each other and help each other out. What helps me as well with my mental health present day, get off of social media. Social media is toxic. People show you the highlight reels of good parts of their life. They're not showing you the negative side of what's going on. And and on top of that, people can be cruel. And this is why I, I am going so hard, honestly, of majoring in the psychology realm. Right. Because I really feel like everybody has a story. Kendra, you've come a long way in life. You've come from going through abuse and bullying. You've dealt with drugs, suicide ideation, mental hospital stays, to now you've written a book and are about to start your PhD in psychology. That's huge. Tell us what life lessons you've learned along the way. I've learned that, number one, I want everyone to know, stop comparing yourself. I really feel that comparison is horrible. Do not compare. Don't be like me, comparing myself, trying to be like everybody else, trying to to the point where I was going to wreak havoc upon myself. The next life lesson that I've learned is that it's okay to cry. It's okay to not have your feelings bottled up. Do not wait so late. I'm telling you, behind every no, there is a yes. There is somebody willing to listen to your story. There is somebody out there. I like to, for example, I like to talk to random strangers and share my life with them because there's no judgment there. You talk to a person and they can make you feel great. Do not have that bottle inside of you. Let someone know. Let someone know how you're honestly feeling. Again, not everybody's going to be receptive to what you're saying, but there is somebody out there who will listen. And that one person can save your life. Yep. That's a nice one. Be vulnerable and talk about your feelings. Don't keep them bottled up. Most definitely. It's because if you don't, you will have a life full of, it's just, you're going to feel empty inside. I don't want people to feel empty inside. I want them to feel full of life. And of course, there are professionals as well. So like you said, if you can afford it and you can go to a therapist, then you can talk about your feelings with them. Most definitely, if you are able to. And I was told the church, the church actually, with some churches you should not consult because they'll be like, oh, God is the way. No, 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 no. Guys, I need you to come from a realistic standpoint. Yes, Jesus is always the way. But at the same time, he also places tools and different things on this earth for us so we can be able to help ourselves Mm -hmm. without always running to God about every single little thing and relying on him to fix every single thing. Because realistically speaking, that's not possible, but that's like a whole nother religious debate, depending on what you believe. But I come from a realistic standpoint with certain things. I'm with you there. What else? What else do you have for us? I want to say another life lesson is never make a decision when you're desperate. Like I was stating in the story how I was so desperate to want to be in a relationship. I I was going to make a very, I made a very bad decision going into a destructive decision. 
So I don't want anyone out there to be like me. Do not say, okay, I'm going to take it in my own hands. And now you are uh, affecting everyone around you in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. That's great. And stop me if you have any other life lesson. Otherwise, I want to ask you, tell us, Kendra, what actually really worked for you? Because there must have been this one or two or three things that really worked for you to get you where you are. No other life lessons, but what really worked for me was seeing the woman who was 80 Mm. and how she was still there and how you can just feel the sorrowness. You felt it walking in the room. You felt it and saying, if I don't figure out how to conquer this, mm-hmm. if I don't have a positive, I have to consistently talk to yourself. Let me tell you something. As an individual, we talk to ourselves the most. Make sure you're saying the right things, consistently being in a positive life, mm-hmm. consistently making sure that you are having positivity around you, not negativity. I said, Get your life together. Make sure whatever you can do, you do not want to be this way. Again, we're all going to have problems at the end of the day. For the rest of your you know, life on earth, you're going to have problems. But I also, I will say children, looking at kids, how free and fun they are, running around, how happy they're so quick to forgive. Mm-hmm. Looking at that, and I'm like, be like children, be childlike, have that mm-hmm. mentality of being free and not being afraid or whatever else it may be. I like that. That's it. That's that. Those are my two answers. Seeing the 80-year-old woman and looking at kids. You got the, a sense of your life by looking at the two ends of our life cycle, which is great. That's nice. The children okay. and the elderly. Very okay. good. Kendra, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's not very easy to talk about what you talk about, but it is important that you talk about it and you are. So kudos and thank you for that. And all the best for your book. I hope it sells the number of copies you wish it to sell new york's bestsellers times list i am amen to that that into existence amen to that thank you again thank you listeners i hope you will agree with me that it takes strength to share a story like kendra's but she is sharing it so that others who are experiencing any part of what she did can benefit from the life lessons she learned from her experiences and maybe just maybe Their journey of climbing their own mountains will get easier if they incorporate some of these life lessons in their lives. We are one spirit, one soul, and we are on this earth to help and uplift each other. And like Kendra, we can do that too by sharing our stories. As always, here are my key takeaways with my discussion with Kendra. 1. If you don't know what to say, then don't say anything at all. Always remember, Your words carry weight and bearing in the life of others. Choose them wisely. 2. You cannot smoke or drink or shop or eat your problems away. 3. Don't compare yourself to anyone. No two people are alike. Remember the saying, if you ask a fish to climb a tree, it can put in the effort with grit and willpower. But ultimately, the monkey is going to fly right by it to the top of the tree and leave the fish feeling like a failure. Why would you compare a fish with a monkey? Similarly, if you are a parent, understand that your child is unique and you will only limit him or her if you compare them to other children. 4. It is okay to cry. It is okay to show your emotions. 
Don't keep your feelings bottled up. There is always someone who will listen to your story. And here is my offer. If you don't find that someone to listen to your story, then please connect with me at sharinglifelessons101 at gmail.com and I will be honored to listen to you. This link is also in the show notes. And lastly, never make a decision when you're desperate because in most likelihood, it will be a bad decision. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you the next episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be blessed.